Well, good morning and welcome to Chapel, or more, uh, more specifically to the second Chapel podcast. And thanks for your feedback on my on my previous one. Uh, work to do, I think, was the was was the feedback. Particularly, Mr. Hans' seven-year-old, he gave me some feedback, and he said, um, "Mr. Hans' seven-year-old son," he said that the song was quite nice, but the joke wasn't up to much. So I'm sorry, uh, that's probably fair. But I've got a better one. Are you ready for? Here's a better joke to start this Chapel podcast. Um, the joke's this: Who was the first tennis player? in the Bible? And the answer is Joseph, because he served in Pharaoh's court. I hope you enjoyed that, uh, Mr. Hansson and others who are listening. But I thought it was right that we do a chapel podcast uh, now. Obviously, we had the Easter service. I don't know if you managed to watch that. Uh, if you didn't, perhaps watch it next week um, when we, as we get nearer to Easter. Uh, but I thought it was right to do one as we come towards the beginning of what's often called Holy Week in the church calendar. And that's the week that begins with Palm Sunday. So you know that this coming Sunday is Palm Sunday, the Sunday when we remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Then, of course, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and the climax of the week, Easter Sunday, uh, next Sunday. And I guess in the UK, it's probably fair to say that uh, in the UK, Easter is outgunned by Christmas as a celebration. Christmas is a much bigger deal for us in this country. But certainly in the Christian calendar, and actually in many countries around the world, certainly in, in, in Southern Europe, Easter is a much bigger event. And I remember three or four years ago being on a Spanish trip with some sixth formers in Seville. Uh, Miss Mateos and I were there. And every night, it was Holy Week, every night these huge processions going through the roads, the streets of Seville um, with different figurines from the, or figures from the Passion narrative. Amazing to think those uh, parades all cancelled this year. Those uh, cities like ghost towns, I guess. Very peculiar. But I was wondering what to speak about uh, in my chapel service just before the beginning of Holy Week. And uh, as I'm getting more tech savvy in this new world we're in, I, uh, I was chatting the other day on Teams to some sick formers, and it was striking just how a number of them said how bored they were. Uh, my sense was that the shock of a fortnight ago, the shock of school closing, uh, the shock of um, all that was going on then, has kind of become the new normal. And now we, they, are just plagued by how little there is to do. Now, of course, I guess many of us have taken up different projects, um, some learning different skills, computer programming, whatever it might be, some doing lots and lots of bicep curls, uh, all the time in the world for that. But there was a general acceptance, I think, that we would just love to go out again and meet up with friends and even go back to school, strange as that may sound. And we're bored of this uh, weird idleness. And the danger, of course, of this is that we just do nothing with our time. And that reminded me of a song by Bruno Mars, that's Bruno Mars again, and then some pretty severe verses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And that I thought, I just put them together back to back. I'm going to play the song, and then uh, Paul's verses, or David Suchet reading those verses from Paul. And I want to ask the question, what would Paul say to Bruno Mars? What would those verses from 2 Thessalonians 3, what would they have to say to these lyrics from Bruno Mars? See what you think. Here's Bruno Mars. Today I don't feel like doing anything I just wanna lay in my bed Don't feel like picking up my phone So leave a message at the tone Cause today I swear I'm not doing anything uh, I'm gonna I'll pause that there and flick on to David Suchet Here's the verses from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 If you've got a Bible there, do grab it again uh, 2 Thessalonians, right towards the end of the Bible. Uh, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3. Here's David Suchet. In 
the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. They're strong verses, aren't they? Those verses from, uh, from Paul and 2 Thessalonians. We hear that some amongst you aren't busy, you're busy bodies. And actually there's a whole theology of work in the Christian faith, um, of which those verses are just a sample. There's a book I read a few years ago, which said that uh, Judeo-Christianity is unique amongst world religions, because in paradise, in the Judeo-Christian view, in paradise, people work. Human beings were created to work. It's there in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. We're made to work. Work gives us purpose. Work gives us dignity. And so actually, as much as Bruno Mars might think he wants to do nothing, and occasionally, of course, it's fine. It's the, the point of the Sunday, the Sabbath, was to uh, have a time to rest. But actually, we find it very difficult having nothing to do. And as the old saying goes, idle hands do the devil's work. Uh, there's actually an old illustration I came across um, for this, about talking about the wasp and the bee. It's a Victorian um, uh, illustration, so the language is a bit quaint. But let me read it to you. It says this, Notice the invention used to catch wasps. People put a long, sweet liquor into a long and narrow-necked jar. The do-nothing wasp comes by, smells the sweet liquor, plunges in and is drowned. But the bee comes by, and if she does stop for a moment to smell, yet she does not enter, because she has honey of her own to make. She is too busy in the work of the Commonwealth to indulge herself with tempting sweets. I.e. the bee is industrious, the bee is hard-working, and therefore isn't tempted by this the idle distraction that actually kills the wasp. Now, I don't know if that's biologically sound or not. I'm a Spanish teacher. But it illustrates, it illustrates, it illustrates an interesting point, doesn't it? You see, having nothing to do can often lead to bad consequences. Certainly in my experience in life, it's often when I have nothing to do that I do the most foolish things. So therefore, my suggestion is, or my question is, what should we be doing in Holy Week, as we begin Holy Week this weekend, what might we do this week to be productive, to use our time well? And now I'm sure your parents and, and others have already suggested a whole load of things that you might do. And certainly my experience at home here with four children around is that life feels much busier now than it does when we're at school. But nonetheless, how can we make the most of this week that lies before us? Can I suggest that we put aside some time each day to reflect and perhaps for some of us to pray. Um, personally, because of aforement aforementioned children, personally, my routine is I try and get up in the morning. I don't manage it every day, but I try and get up most mornings before the kids get up, about half an hour or so, and I, I read my Bible, 
And I pray, I pray for all sorts of things. I pray for the world, I pray for the government, I pray for school, for different people in the school community, I pray for my family. But this week I wonder if we might uh, decide to focus on the passion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And perhaps we might try and set aside some time each day to read through one of the Gospels, uh, perhaps all the Gospels, all four Gospels, they're not that long. You may have come across an app, it's called uh, The Bible in a Year. Uh, Maybe download the app and every day that will uh, give you a portion of uh, the Bible to read and it will give you a little audio explanation as well. Uh, And there are loads of churches streaming stuff as we get towards Easter. Um, So if you'd like a recommendation, do email me and I can point you in the right direction or the direction of some useful things. But my big prayer is that we don't lose this week. And my prayer is that we don't let this week blend into this kind of featureless time landscape that we're currently navigating. But rather, this is a week in which we grow in our capacity to reflect. And for many, I pray that we grow this week in our relationship with God. What should we pray together? Here's a set prayer from the Anglican uh, Palm Sunday service. True and humble King, hailed by the crowd as Messiah, grant us the faith to know you and love you that we may be found beside you on the way of the cross, which is the path of glory. Amen. Well, to close, here's one of the hymns that I was hoping that we'd sing in chapel just before Easter. Um, It's a modern hymn, but hopefully one that many of us will know, and it's Come People of the Risen King. I hope you enjoy it.
So this week, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all evermore. Amen.